Student researcher Albert Sarpon is a learning man seeking infinite knowledge in an even grander universe. In his career, Albert has had the privilege of bridging the gap between multiculturalism and academia at Baylor University with his work, Mosaic. He has also served in his home country of Ghana as a medical missionary with the Ghanaian Nurses Association of Dallas-Fort Worth. And currently, he works as a research technician at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, seeking to publish his work in bacterial interactions. Outside of science, service, and writing, Albert loves to watch and play basketball, read comics, watch anime, and read self-improvement works. His belief and his hypothesis that sports are an allegory of life experiences inspire him each day to improve himself and the lives of those around him. Tap in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Campus Cuts. I'm your host, Tanaki Shadis Mataba. Campus Cuts is an intergenerational, multicultural show that hosts athletes, entrepreneurs, musicians, politicians, and people from all walks of life to chop it up in the virtual barber shop. And today, I have a very, very esteemed special guest at the episode of 2022. Um, I got my brother, a man who is a man of God, a man of people, a man of service, um, the world's greatest superhero, an aspiring physician, an author, a researcher, and as well as a fellow podcaster and the host, one of the co-hosts of the Ticket to the Game Sports Commentary Podcast, Mr. Albert Kwaku Sharpon. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you for having me, Tanaka. Pleasure to see you. Uh, it's a pleasure that you've had me out, out here. I mean, it's been a long time coming. I'm super excited and ready to get going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Um, well, first of all, um, you know how it is. For people that are new, Campus Cuts is just the show that we just do. Um, used to be guests and I just chop it up. Um, you know, Albert has seen it all the way from the beginning to where it is now. And we both would have never thought this would have happened. Um, so, but, you know, we just think the most high and um but yeah man just what of course you know usually how it starts about guests uh, podcast is have to guess what is their name uh occupation and where they're located um so yeah just share that to the people and then we go back in so my name is albert kweku sarpong kumankuma i am a research technician at baylor college of medicine working right now to hopefully get to medical school this upcoming uh academic year okay Right. And you're located in Houston? That's right. So Baylor College of Medicine is located in the medical center, the Texas Medical Center, here right outside of downtown Houston, Texas. Okay, okay, okay. And you actually made it. When did you make the transition from um, Dallas to Houston? Uh, so I made that transition about a week after my birthday, so about October 21st. Okay. Um, I made a transition. I uh, wanted to, you know, live in a new city. Uh, get some experience in my uh, field, my research field, because I currently am looking to become a physician scientist. So that's somebody that is not only a doctor, but also does research and is active in the research field for biomedical research. So um, I kind of took the opportunity to one, grow myself, grow my, uh, increase my resume and hopefully just gain some great experience. That, that, that's incredible, bro. I mean, of course, it's the new year, 2022. Everybody's talking about, you know, growth, new year, new me, all this type of stuff. But obviously, all that growth that comes in is the byproduct of all the years of success. And obviously, man, 
me knowing you, you are a very successful young man. So one of the first questions I wanted to ask you, brother, is um, what drives you, man? Like, what, what's some of the things that, you know, get you going in order for you to continue to display that work ethic that you have today? So my biggest driving force is, without a doubt, my mother. Um, the hardest working woman, hardest working person, I should say, that I know. Um, my story is directly linked to hers, obviously, but the way that we as a family have come together um, since my birth, my conception, um, it, it presented itself to me when I was 12 years old and my mom was uh, explaining to me how I came to be, what it took for me and for her, I should say, to make sure that I would be in a position to become successful and how I should never take that sacrifice that she made for granted. So every morning I'm constantly, when I wake up, that's the first thing that's on my mind. It's like, okay, I have to do this not only for myself, but for her um, because she is my everything. She is my entire life. Um, everything she's done for me, everything she's still doing for me to this day um, motivates me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I mean, now I met your mom. Very yeah. nice lady. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, hardest working, hard, like, and, and guys, I hope you realize that um, he's not joking when he talks about how hard working his mom is one of the hardest working people um, that I've met, you know, in addition to my own family members. And I mean, bro, it's, I guess it's just something about that first generation American grind, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. That's that's a real, like, motivational kicker. Like, if, you, if you're a first generation listening to this, like, I get you. Don't get me wrong. I, I fully get it. Oh man. Oh man. And then so now, of course, 2022 here mm -hmm. today. Um, so I want to go go back into the past a little bit, man. And so, of course, you know, what has been some of the things that you felt like that you learned from the last year? Um, and how did that and how did that shape the two you are today? So I think the biggest thing from last year that I took away was that everything, now that we are in our 20s, especially having graduated from undergrad, right? Having college degrees now, everything that comes from now on, there is no other way to put this, it is in our hands. Mm. Um, it is in our hands to become as successful as we'd want to be. It is in our hands to, you know, we have you know, like the whole phrase of we have the same 24 hours, that is a big deal to me that I really like what from watching you and from my other friends, our other friends, I should say, we have the same 24 hours. We are all capable of doing great things within that time. Um, and so really just taking my own destiny into my own hands, um, grabbing the bull by the horns and just saying to myself, whatever I want to put my mind towards, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm aspiring to do, it is within my grasp. It is not impossible. It's only impossible if I say it is. Yeah. And I gotta just go get it. Right. Go get the mentality. That's the way it goes. That's what I've really taken from 2021, brought it to 2022. Wow. Wow. And then so if you don't mind me sure uh, if you don't mind sharing, what are some like some do you have any like like a story or an example or two of what it what for you what it meant for you to be able to take life um, and take full responsibility and accountability to figure out your life life that you have today? So I think story 
I think a story I can think of is basically from my from my high school experience into college. Um, really, I'm trying to think about this one. So having having seen you guys, right? You, our friend Nathan, and a few other people. I, my, I am a very competitive person, right? Competition is something that I really um, like. I'm really big deal about, but because it, it, it breeds and it creates positive positivity, it breeds and it creates it, it creates diamonds pressure, right? Competition. I think the a story I can think of is through. Hmm, this is a little bit difficult. Try and put this all together into one is when I saw myself in my lowest state, uh, one of my lowest, or one of my lower states, I should say. Uh, when I was in high school, I uh, was, was playing basketball, suffered an injury, injury that kept me sidelined and nearly got me removed from my, my team. Uh, because prior to my injury, I was not playing. I was um, actually down a lot had was focused on school, playing, trying to play varsity basketball, not having minutes, not having um, a chance to really get on the court. And it was my junior year. I had one more year left and I really wanted to make a real lasting impact for my school. But I was not one, I was playing, I was playing a position that required me to be strong. I wasn't strong. Two, I was, um, wasn't as skilled or talented as the underclassmen that was behind me. And three, uh, I was unfortunately required to miss a lot of practice because I had to focus on my academics. So one thing that I noticed in that was, okay, this has all happened. I'm not playing and now I'm injured. And now my coach is telling me I'm going to be out for the, uh, I'm probably not going to be able to return for the senior season. Mm. So I realized that I needed to improve some aspect that I can control within what was was given to me so i have a foot injury a stress fracture in my third middle torso on my right foot so that automatically removes my legs i can't run i can't do leg workouts i can't do any of those things but i have my arms i have my chest i have my shoulders let me get in the weight room and at least focus on increasing my upper body strength increase my upper body strength one two my skill set on the basketball court my iq my knowledge was not as where it needed to be for a varsity player so I go study film. I start watching uh, professionals, college players, and my teammates, learning their tendencies, learning their their mannerisms, learning you know defenses, offenses, um, special like different kind of moves, different positions, how different positions can contribute in different ways to win a game. You know the biggest thing they say um, in sports is that, and this is why I brought up competition earlier. Sports are a really big allegory on life. If you want to, if you want to see how life can be um, a true like a true mission, watch how basketball evolves. Watch how soccer, football evolves. Players, you know, when they are actively working in a team environment, or even if you're playing like a single person sport like tennis, when you're training and you're um, putting in the time and you're taking steps to 
progress as an athlete, it's the same way a person takes steps to progress in their career in kind of business, in engineering, in science, things like that. So that's what I decided to do. I said, okay, I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to watch this film. I'm going to study. And the better I did that, the more the game slowed down for me whenever um, I was watching it. And then when I came back, everything became like it wasn't I wasn't moving at 500 miles per hour anymore. It was like, okay, I'm patient. I'm here. I'm able to see it. And that helped me get a starting position on my varsity team, become a team captain and have a great, successful senior season. So that's kind of where I saw that, okay, if I work within my means, even if things are out of, there are certain aspects that are out of my control, like for instance, my foot, I can't control how long it takes to heal, but I can control what I can do. Even, even though I can impact the game at that point in time, I can take that and carry it to whenever I'm able to return. So that's that's kind of a, that's the story that I like to refer back to. Wow, that, that, that right there, bro, thank you for sharing that story. And it just shows that no matter what situation that you're in, there is always something out that's in our control. Because most of the time, of course, you know, our physiological brain and who we are, we always are looking for external sources or external stimuli in order for us to continue. And of course, you know, neurologically, hey, there's a there's a dopamine hit or some sort of thing like, okay, hey, because of this, I'm gonna continue this reinforcement, right? But mm -hmm. the fact that you were able to be present within yourself, when you look within, like, it, it, like, and it's hard. I don't like, um, I and I bet, I bet you, like, it was so hard to look at yourself in the mirror and say, "This is what I'm like. This is the thing that I'm, I suck at, and this is the thing I do bad." But then after that, you say, "Okay, I can't control this injury. I can't control the way that my coaches or whatever they think about me. But what I can control is my ability to get into the weight room, be able to go out, look at the film, and actually improve on myself and change my IQ and actually learn the game." Bro, that right there, and of course, that does again. I mean, of course, we know this is what this is called stoicism, right? To be stoic, to be in, in a situation where no, no matter what the chaos is, mm -hmm. if you're able to be present as possible, no matter how many times you like life hits you, you'll be good because right. you know I'm calm, I'm clear, I'm collected, and I can move. No matter what, that's literally what it is. You can move, you can go forward. I mean, self awareness is like, it's a very, powerful thing when you're truly self-aware but also like have almost unlimited confidence that's yeah. a very dangerous combination that a person can have and i have something that's something i'm still mastering like i don't know if i'll ever master it but i know that i'm going to get to that point one day and i'm still working towards that so having self-awareness stoicism self-concept and then taking all of that and having confidence mm. is very it's a very powerful thing man that yeah you can talk about that again and so now, of course, I want to, I want to, I want us to, I want you to speak on the, your undergraduate career real quick. Um, obviously, you're in the medical field. So, what was some of the driving forces for you to be able to come to Baylor, go to Baylor at first, and then why, and how was your experience there? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, coming to Baylor. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Coming to Baylor. I mean, honestly, it was a really like this is okay. It was one of the first schools I applied to. But my intention was always to go to UT, um, sorry, University of Texas in Austin. Um, and I did get accepted there, as well as Baylor. And then one night, 
I just saw the money and the money wasn't looking right. And I just said, all right, let me just go to Baylor because they have a good pre-med program. And it's not too far away, two hours from uh, where we live, me and you, Dallas, Texas. So I figured, um, where I used to obviously stay. And I figured if I'm close to family and I'm in a pretty good school um, and they're paying me like a lot of money to go here, like I don't have to pay as much as I would have had to pay at UT surprisingly, even though Baylor's a private school. Why not? Why not go to Baylor? Plus, I wanted to become a physician. Um, and the driving force for that was because of my grandfather and what he meant to me. Um, he was one of the first uh, father. He was the first father figure I ever had in my life. Um, and he was always there for me. Excuse my computer. He was always there um, ever since I was a toddler uh, when my mom sent me to live with him and my grandma in, uh, in Ghana. West Africa, um, and he was, as he got older, he began to, his health began to deteriorate. So he had uh, type two diabetes, he had suffered two strokes, he was not able to walk without a walker and needed a wheelchair when we went out places. And he also had hypertension and amongst a slew of other uh, health related things, uh, prostate cancer, a bunch of other stuff. And so I spent, from when I was in fourth grade up until my first year of college, he was in my care. Um, he, my mom, who was a, was a nurse at that time, now was a nurse practitioner, was always trying to um, encourage me to be about the family, uh, especially with him, because he needed help walking up and down the stairs. He needed somebody to make his food. He needed somebody to help him check his medicine and check his blood pressure, things like that. So that was always something that I was deeply invested in. One, because I knew I wanted to do health, but then my grandfather, he's my he's basically my dad. So that's what I did for him all the way until our, my freshman year when he passed away. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that, though. And then so, um, of course, one of the things you're portraying, like you're not going to put right over there. And, and that, and obviously you're, you and the way that you work and how you've been involved on maps. And now, obviously, you know, you're part of Region 3, you're a Region 3 representative. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, you know, who you are and what you've done in the medical field, and especially with your research, your publications. Um, guys, don't let this man fool you with his humility. This guy, this nigga is that nigga, okay? <laughs> <laughs> This is my show. I own 100% of it. I can say whatever I want the fuck I want to say. This guy is fine. And on top of all this other stuff that he does, goodness gracious. Come on, man. Thank you. On, Thank man. you so much. Dude. Like, okay, but no, bring it back. Okay, so again, you saw somebody. Was your grandfather a um, part of the medical field at all? He was a uh, nutritionist, um, and he was studying um, cholesterol uh, breakdown in the arteries so he was looking into uh lipid things with lipids things with fats trying to figure out how to break those down um in human arteries so he was actually a phd uh from the university of connecticut wow wow yeah. that's a very academically any ladies out there you know he's single okay <laughs> yeah yeah i am oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but wow like a very strong academic background that's really yeah and so there's three directions I want to go to, but the very first direction is, of course, you've seen somebody in your life who's helped us to see where you're now that is obviously never impacted you, but it's to be that sort of inspiration, that sort of hero to be able to save 
on people's lives, whether they are passing over or as well as making sure you allow them to be, you know, um, to continue to have sustainable lifestyles that, you know, make them age longer. So my question for you, brother, is mm-hmm. what, the, what does health mean? What does it mean to be healthy or what, be, or what is your definition of health? What does health mean? Okay. I know that's a very big question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know me, bro, but you know, that's the nature of the cost. Yeah. No, health is, health is that's, a, that's a, that is a big question. Health, health equity. It is a difficult topic to talk about in America. Unfortunately, it should not be that way. But I do think if my put it in my own words, health is having not only the knowledge, but the autonomy to make your own decisions in regards to what you consume. If you can have, if in everybody, in my opinion, should have the resources to be able to eat as healthy as possible, should be have the resources to be able to, you know, discern, okay, these foods I can consume, these can promote healthy lifestyle living, these are vitamin rich foods, these are organic foods, things like that. That's one, right? So discernment and autonomy. Um, I would say though that true health is, hmm, how do I break this down? Waking up in the morning, and you have, I wish I could put this into words. You have a sense of, of holistic, holistic life. It's not even a phrase, but holistic living. So lifestyle. So you have your exercise, your physical, your mental, right? Your spiritual health, if you are a spiritual person and your psychological um i do believe that all these things are very important things that you have to take into account daily uh knowing you i know you you are always one to focus on those aspects of your life right you make sure you're reading your word spiritual you make sure you're filling your thoughts with positivity psychological emotional you make sure you're connecting with people genuine connection right and physical you train you are a track athlete you do these things I believe that when you break health down, you have to break it down into those categories for a person, right? And you have to take autonomy over that, but you have to be empowered to do so. So you have to have the knowledge, the discernment to understand how those things affect you as a person and then carry that over to your own personal autonomy and actually take an effort to encompass those four, you could say five, but four aspects into your life. So I think that's what health is. It's really, being empowered, having autonomy, having discernment, and then putting those things into action. Yeah, that's really good. And I love the way that you were able to break it down. Also, I received a compliment. I received a uh, thank you so much. That means a lot, brother. I do. And so, um, of course, you know, right now we are in the <laughs> in the middle of so many health crises. One, lack of food and lack actual, not even a lack of food, but the lack, well, of course, you know, supply chains. And of course, a lot of things being held back to people that should use which and yep. then of course, the pandemic is out of crisis. And we mm-hmm. also have the opioid crisis that's been happening mm-hmm. that's been raging amongst people our age demographic, 18 to 18 to 25 specifically. 
And into addition to that, um, a mental health crisis due to social media, um, TV, lockdowns. It, it just seems like the world is going under a huge record. Obviously, you know, you are in somebody that is in this field, this medical field, and somebody who really does. So now my question for you is, how do we, again, go back to your previous point, how do we empower people in order to start taking that first step and reclaiming their power with their health? So how do we take, how do we give people the ability to take back? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, like the ability to empower, because you said like people need to feel empowered, right? So how can we help empower people to take care of their health? everybody has different beliefs so it's like i gotta consider people's belief systems i gotta uh, consider people's family structure right now everybody has the same family structure some people live in group homes some people live with multiple family members some people you know have regular standard american nuclear family structure mother mother father and, and kids but some people like i was mother grand grandma grandpa cousin this so all that stuff has to be looked at right like i'm like okay if i'm looking at that and that's that's a whole broad sense right to help people feel empowered and then obviously access to resources and technology because there's a lot of information out there but people don't know it's out there one or don't know how to access it too how do i help people feel empowered it's really just a matter of like it's, it really just comes from education. I, my grandpa used to always say that it comes from education and and working to seek out that education. You you have mm. to be able to like. We live in the age of misinformation. Let's keep it a buck, right? So many, so much media, so much stuff is being pushed at us left and right. If you don't know how to break that down, you can you can fall into some pretty dark places. Um, yeah. Right. And you brought up social media, you know, the whole crisis with Facebook last year, I'm still going on Meta, I should say, Meta, not Facebook, um, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, you know, literally, Snapchat. I think I sent you an article about the girl that committed suicide, 11 year old girl, because she was getting bullied. There you go, right? Things like that. And, you know, they used to talk about cyberbullying when we were in school, but they did not see this coming. So, regardless, <laughs> or, oh, I shouldn't even. I know we should be laughing, but it's unfortunate. Truthfully, um, it really comes down to education. And just uh, if you are somebody, let's say, I'm giving an example, let's say you're someone who is the age between the ages of 11 and 21, and you live with uh, parents who are, you know, maybe they're millennials or Gen, is it Gen X? No, no, Gen X. Okay. Her parents that are, you know, that era that don't really understand. Or may not really understand what they're what they're being fed through the media and things like that. I think it's up to you to really sit down with yourself and say, okay, my family, because my grandma used to say, charity begins at home. It, it's in the household. Break it down for them. Show them, hey, this and this and this, and that. You have to take the time to really learn this first before you can educate somebody else. This, this, and this that they're saying isn't necessarily true because they are just trying to feed an agenda, right? And in the age of social media and the age of political agendas and lobbying, it is so scary what they will try to sell you to make you think to yourself that this and this is happening when in reality it's the opposite. So I think 
empowerment comes from education first and foremost. And I'm not saying people have to go to college because college is not, not for everybody. Unfortunately, it's not. But we live in an era where you can learn so much from your phone, laptop, iPad, whatever. So take that time. Really try to figure out, try to get both sides of the argument first, right? That's something that I do. Get both sides of the argument. See one end and say, okay, but who could counter that? Find the opposite. And then look at it and say to yourself, I want to make my own decision on this. I want to know the facts, the opinions, and then draw my own. It's just that simple. That's right. good. And so now for you, does that mean it takes a little bit longer time for you to form opinions? And then, of course, in okay. the world, well, you click what people ask you, or they might eat you up, oh, what you think about this? Like, like, do you do you feel, do you, like, encounter a little bit of, like, resistance or pushback in the way, or no, not resistance, friction in the way that um, somebody might ask you, hey, what you think? And then you take a long time to respond, and they're like, why aren't you saying anything? Have you experienced stuff like that? Before? Yeah, I have, um, because... You know, it's very, it's very scary out here. You know, sometimes people, like I said, everybody has differing beliefs. And there's a lot of differing beliefs in this country right now. Um, and, a lot of, and a lot of polarization. It's just, yeah. it's just facts. Like it is what it is. So, you know, I have to really be able to watch my words, make sure I'm saying the right things. Political correctness, I guess would be the term. But I'm also trying to give my opinion while also seeing the other side. So I will always preface my opinions by also showing perspective for the opposition. Because at the end of the day, who am I to tell somebody something is, unless it's straight fact, right? That's one thing. Who am I to tell somebody they're wrong in the way of living if that's how they grew up living? Right. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And especially in um, somebody who is in the science field and, mm -hmm. you know, um, I would like to think of both of us being very lot more left brain than we are right brain. Yes, I, I know people look at my creativity and whatever, but people don't realize hey, I was pre-med. Like I'm very like very methodical and very routine and very logical, right? Yeah. With uh, and very objective because we have to look at data sets, especially with, with like you know my field, like you know, data data analytics, psychographic data, understanding the customer, blah, 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 blah. and of course you looking at like you know different micro uh, microbes, taking the taking the data research and all and combining all this mass information and being able to think it right. So I would like to think of us as more logic, more object, more seeking the objective point of view, right? right? The more accepting of the uh, objective point of view. So what do you do in a situation or how do you navigate a situation for somebody who is not objective, who is more opinionated, right? Okay, so that's a great question. You have to know your audience, first and foremost. You gotta know your audience. You can't communicate if you don't know your audience. If you don't know who you're talking to, how are you going to be able to explain to them? And that's the thing. I feel like one of the truest signs of intelligence is knowing how to take a complex subject and shrink it down to the most simple of like manners and then present it to somebody and they can pick it up, understand it and digest it in a, in a really, you know, an efficient manner of time. If you can do that, I think that you, in my opinion, you're one of the smartest people out there because there's so many things that, like we said, we are college educated. We have all this advanced scientific knowledge. How do we sell that to someone who's never been in a biology one-on-one class? Right. How do we sell the idea of 
neurodegenerative diseases if somebody's never taken pathophys. Like, we can't do that unless we are able to take that information, package it, you know, put it in like an Amazon box and deliver it with Prime. Like, we have to look at it that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why public health is so important. Mm. That's why, like, public health and public health communication is so critical. And and health communication is so important. You think of, a great example would be when people didn't understand what it meant to have social distancing. First of all, the term social distancing wasn't even a thing until March or April of 2020, I should say, because it took a minute for the for you know the CDC and folks in the government to realize how do we break down six feet? How do we tell people that nobody knew what six feet was? Nobody knew what it meant to you know, socially distanced at that time during the quarantine is what I'm referring to. So breaking it down to a word of social distancing and putting signs and showing people like this is what six feet looks like, things like that, just simple spots on the ground at Walmart, things like that. That's that's how you, you know, take that time to really break down information for people. Mm, that's good. That, that's really good. Um, and I'm not even speaking about that, the CDC and, and, and of course, you know, we know people that who have worked there, people who have yeah, been there, and as well as that. Um, and I want to get your, you know, your point of view. Um, what do you feel like, uh, you know, as somebody that is a health professional now? What do you feel like were some of the um, blind spots or downfalls uh, for the CDC during the beginning of the, of the pandemic? The beginning. And yeah, yeah. And remember, because and you also remember your your professor at one point of time was on CNN. All the time, no, like really. he was actively taking a class with him, and he was obviously getting pulled, like whatever, whatever. And then after that, he had to leave. So you literally have direct experience with some people who have been working with the CDC, people who have been there. Like, so, I, in your point of view, as somebody that's a public health professional, what were some of the downfalls um, that you said I felt like the CDC did, and and how do you think that you recover from that? Uh, what can you do in order to make sure that you do not repeat the same mistakes? So. CDC, okay, so we have, if I'm looking at the timeline correctly, you have situations where once the quarantine was lifted per se, kind of lifted partially, it became a state's thing, right? It became a state's rights issue. And then eventually that led to a political issue, which was unacceptable in my opinion. Public health should never ever become something that involves the Democrats and Republicans feuding. I think that is that was a bad move. They pointed and it was unfortunate that they couldn't address it faster that they politicized COVID-19. Especially during the 2020 election. That was a mistake. So you have that. You have if I move a little bit further in the timeline, you have the CDC saying if you're fully vaccinated at that time what they considered fully vaccinated was having a two shot of the mRNA vaccine or one shot of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They said, if you had fully full vaccination, you could walk outside without a mask. And they were basically playing on social, what's the word? Like where people are essentially taking, um, you know, accountability for themselves if they have or have not received the vaccine as a way to promote vaccination, that was a mistake because as soon as that happened, the Delta variant came. Hospitalizations increased during that summer and it was not a good look. And 
with the Omicron variant now and the CDC decreasing the length of quarantine from, I believe, 10 days to five if you have the two-shot vaccine, I know they're trying to avoid a lockdown. Like, if I'm being honest with you, they are trying to avoid a lockdown at all costs because of how economic, they already see the economy, the economy right now is obviously going to be in a recession very, very soon. Uh, you know this. You know this. So <laughs> they are trying to not have that happen on their watch until it does happen when it does, which it will happen. Very soon. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Get this book, y'all, if you want to learn more about this. <laughs> slight plug so i think that the cdc came short oh and even like and this is something that i'm not 100 percent sure if they were not aware or if they just didn't know because i feel like at the same time they're learning as we do which is very crazy right early on the pandemic we had the idea of wear a mask don't wear a mask wear a mask don't wear a mask like that whole back and forth that they were doing in march april and may all of that I mean, it just created so much panic and so much confusion um, that now a lot of people don't trust public health, which is very sad. And I can't blame them. I can't blame them. They are, they have the right to choose not to. It's America, right? So at this point, now we are moving towards, okay, we have the booster. They're going to eventually consider people with the booster fully, fully vaccinated. And those who have not received the uh, booster and have been eligible with the six-month period from the second shot, uh, un- not fully vaccinated. So that's going to be something that's going to happen, I believe, relatively very soon. And we're just going to have to see how the public responds to that. Well, I know from I know from one point of person's point of view. Or actually, no, I'm not I'm not there, but I, I assume that some people's point of view they they would like to they would say, okay. Some would like to say, hey, man, like, there's a political, like, I mean, this situation has been politicized. Right. And now also, of course, you know, Johnson and Johnson and Pfizer and Moderna happen to be public companies. Mm-hmm. And they billions of dollars each and every year. That's right. Um, and so now, of course, would would it be fair for one person to be, or some people, or a group of people to be skeptical and saying that, hey, I need to get the fourth and fifth after I got the first two, maybe three, four, not five. Is it, is it just like some would like to paint that maybe this is just a money grab? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, those are all fair arguments. I can never argue against that um, because we were all sold on the idea that two shots would be more than enough to handle um, the alpha and beta strains of COVID-19, the coronavirus, and the SARS coronavirus too. And now that it's evolving, which... Okay, the evolution of the virus, hopefully it gets to the point where it's able to not be as deadly. I believe it's slightly, it's not as deadly as it used to be. And now we are getting to that point where it's gonna just become potentially like a seasonal thing, like a every year situation where it's not deadly, but it does spread. Um, but honestly, it's really, it's really tough to say. I'm being honest. It's really difficult to say uh, what what we can what we can expect. I mean, okay. So the Pfizer, right? They have just dropped their uh, what is it the the pill COVID nineteen uh, pill that they have sell, they're going to start selling. The FDA is going to approve it. I believe they've approved it, if I remember correctly. 
and that's something that, that would be an alternative to vaccination. So things like that, the way I see it is that somebody's going to benefit from this monetarily. It, it is sad that it came in the, in this light, but I don't know how to not how to stop Pfizer, Moderna, J and J from benefiting monetarily from the situation. If I'm looking at it from the Operation Warp Speed standpoint, where so much money was funneled into these companies to, you know, speed up the research on mRNA vaccines and on the, um, well, it just eluded me what Johnson Johnson's is, but I know it's the vector vaccine. There it is. So it is just the unfortunate situation of big pharma in this country. That's that's the answer. Yeah, the unfortunate situation is important. And now, I'm not sure if you've seen, I think I might have sent it to you. I don't know. I, um, I think I, I haven't sent it to you. Mark Cuban is now starting a pharmaceutical company as well. I saw that on Twitter. You did not send it to me, but I saw it on Twitter today. Right. That, that was, was interesting. interesting. That was interesting. That was interesting. I'm kind of going like with a Martin, um, uh, a Martin Shkreli situation. Mm-hmm. People don't know about Martin Shkreli. Look up what, what he did in 2013, 2016. One of the craziest court cases, SEC allegation, and seeing how he honestly manipulated the pharmaceutical industry by making other his competition hike prices up, and it was very unethical. He made a bank, but now he's in jail. Right? <laughs> goodness, goodness gracious, goodness gracious. I mean, I mean, and also, I, I really appreciate your perspective and um, in your point of view and giving you your knowledge that you know, and also being transparent in the way that you know there's some things that you don't know. Not sure because, of course, you are a um, a physician and a scientist and trainer. So, um, um, and so, of course, thank you so much, brother. But now I want to go more into the, the cultural aspect of, of Albert, Albi. So obviously you are, uh, you know, you're somebody who, of course, you're dedicated to the work and all this stuff and your scientific mind and brain. But of course, you you are creative yourself. You are an author and as well as a podcast host uh, or one of the hosts of Ticket to the Game. But talk right. about that, man. Like, you know, how did you get into the venture podcasting? What is Ticket to the Game? Break it mm-hmm. down. Let's go. Oh, ticket to the game. All right. Um, so how do we get into podcasting? We saw you. We said we can do that. And we did it. That's what we did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. I mean, yes, we did see you putting your work. We were like, we, we, we've been wanting to do this for a while, but you, you were the trailblazer. You paved the path. We said, all right, a group podcast over basketball and other sports like football and sometimes even soccer. We said, we can do that too. And so, um, Initially, the five of us got together, myself, uh, Antonio, Humble, Demi, and Kate got together, and we um, we said, hey, we have a, no- a lot of basketball knowledge. We have a lot of uh, knowledge over the history of the NBA. Let's get together and let's talk about it, because we see shows like Undisputed, First Take, First Things First, you know. And they they sell narratives. They sell the narrative. Like, you know what? <laughs> Is LeBron better than Michael Jordan? Stephen A. Hell no. He's not better than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is the greatest human being who walked on this earth. And it's like, goodness, are y'all? Is that all we know? Is MJ and LeBron? We don't know. Kobe didn't play basketball. Magic, Kareem, Wilt, Wade, Kawhi. Like, come on, Giannis. The disrespect to Giannis. I'm not gonna disrespect. Jokic to and and beat, but that's another story. So we said, no, we're going to be, we're going to be impartial. We're going to give our opinions because we have our own opinions, but we also recognize that basketball is an evolving game. 
the players today, they are unfortunately for the for the old heads, they are better. I'm sorry, they have more skills. They shoot better. They run better. They play defense. But I mean, you could say handshake versus non handshake error. Whatever. These guys are more athletic. If you gave them the handshake, it, it would be insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and guys like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Michael Jordan, those are outliers. And those guys are obviously going to be tired. They already are Hall of Famers, top 10 players ever. Uh, two of them are top five, in my opinion. So, like, looking at the game of basketball and how, you know, so many people are now getting into the NBA and into basketball because of social media. If you remember when we were in middle school and high school, Bro, who mixtape? Oh, shit. Andrew Wiggins, Austin River, John Wall, uh, I, uh Seventh Woods, Seventh Woods, um, Aaron Gordon. Oh, thank my. you. Whoa, that, uh, that's exactly Levine. I'm, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Oh, my Levine, bro. Uh, okay, okay. Um, who's who's the guy in the Pistons? Who's that guy in the Pistons? Stanley Johnson, oh, modern day, bro. And the hype tapes that we used to see back then and how it's evolved, House of Highlights, Bleach Report, they have ran and have taken these things and made it into its own thing. So much money. <laughs> so much money in these businesses. Um, just to promote these athletes at a young age. Yeah. From the ages of, you know, you have your A. And A okay, so the AAU, right? The AAU system that was developed I can't remember if it was the late 90s or early 2000s. I want to say late 90s. And how a lot of these players today, they all play AAU ball. And they all have, you know, their names plastered on the internet and on social since they were 13, 14, sometimes as early as 10, 12. It's crazy. Yeah. So now, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think that is, say, like, how how do you feel about that? Like, Like, you know. How would you feel like you know, what what is your take on you know these kids having this spotlight so young? And or now we only see like what currently and the rest, God, we don't know where. Hmm. So I think it's just the evolution of the game. I think these kids, you know, one thing about that separates basketball from football in America, if I'm looking at American sports, football players wear helmets. You can't see their faces, you can just see their bodies running. So with basketball, you can see the face. You can see the, the expression on the face when they play. And it's an indoor thing, right? You can come in, camera set up. You can literally see. It's so much more accessible. And anybody can play basketball. Not everybody can play football. So anybody can pick up a ball and, get, and start shooting. A great example, Stephen Curry and what he did to evolve basketball, right? I can't be LeBron. I don't jump 40 inches and I'm not 6'8 made of titanium, okay? Vibranium, <laughs> whatever. But I'm six foot three. Some people are five foot eight, but they can shoot like Steph. Yeah. I play against some people that can shoot like Steph, not like yeah. him, but like, you know, they can mimic him. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. And all that, you know, and people wanting to mimic these great players and have play styles like them and go to their camps. Um, so many players that attend these, you know, the Steph Curry camps, the the LeBron James camps, the Kevin Durant yeah. camp, and they got the shoes. There's a there's a video of I think it was like Devin Booker. Oh, free! I can't remember. I think Zach Levine was there. I think that was, Curry, that was, was up like 2012, right? 
Like when they're like all that. young. Like they're all young. Three. All these current NBA All-Stars, and they're in, I, I can't remember who, I think it was KD's camp or somebody. And they're there, and they have they have the Nike Elite bags and the Elite socks. You know, those from seventh grade, like Elite socks from Syria. And, and, the, and the and the you know the the brands and the, they're they're out there and they were playing, and like they were instantly recognizable. And you know, when we were young, they were our age, and we were like, dang, those guys are so cool. Like they, there are people our age that are becoming, that are going to become professional athletes and become faces of the league and things like that. So I think all of that, and they were running AAU, and they were playing those big tournaments in Vegas and South LA. Let's go. Let's go to another example. The ball fan. I mean, come on. Like Lamelo, Lonzo, and Leandro Lavar. He sold that so well, and came out there in 2017. I'll never forget this man. Came out there and said, "I will have my son drafted to the Lakers," and he drafted number two by Magic Johnson. Like, distance. And then said, my youngest is better than the two that came before him. And he is. Like, LaMelo is cold. And he's playing in the NBA, and he might become an all-star. I think he's going to be all-star. We'll find out in the next few days. I, think, but, I, think, I, think, I hope he does. I think he, he, I think he will. Work. I think he will. If not, it'll be very borderline. So, you know, I think all of that taken into account, that's why, you know, things like House of Highlights, uh, Hoop Mixtape, NBA Central. Yaya Finest. Right. Bro. And you're seeing it now on TikTok and Instagram Reels. People are playing basketball in these parks, and they got massive crowds, and people are watching. And, I mean, are some of them scripted? I don't know. I feel like they are. But it's there. It's it's still attention, and it's still presence. And that's the that's the crazy part. Right. That's the crazy part about it all. So it, it, it is evolving. I mean, basketball is becoming – a very flashy game. It's a very flashy game. Players today are very flashy. Kyrie Irving, uh, Chris Paul, very flashy, very dynamic players. Steph Curry, obviously, Damian Lillard, very dynamic players that get out there and they just they do their thing, and it looks pretty. It sells well. Yeah, it is what it is. So now let me ask you this. So you, of course you said Michael Jordan. Well, you said your top five. I assume that's like Magic and Michael. Yeah. So my top five. Your top five. Yeah. 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 Michael Jordan is number one, uh-huh. and he's not, and before anybody starts closing their computers or turning off the app, Michael Jordan is number one because in the 15 years he played basketball, he became the greatest player of all time. I should say 13 because the last two years in the Wizards was just him chilling and having fun. Good. But he's still putting up buckets. Yeah. Oh yeah. Facts. He was dropping 50. That's crazy. But in the 13 years that he was in Chicago, he was. Undoubtedly, well, I would say nine out of those thirteen years, he was undoubtedly the best player in, the in his prime. Right. In his prime. But I always think about if he kept, if he played 94, 95, 95, 96. No, 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 not wait. Hold on, 93, 94, 94, 95. They would have won eight straight. Seven, seven. I, it's I, hard. It's hard to three P, and he did it twice. But I don't know about eight. I think Hakeem would have given him problems. I think. The Houston Rockets in those era, that era, and of course the Orlando Magic, who did beat them, even though Michael had just came back, obviously. But that's another thing. Nah, I think the big trouble. men of <laughs> the big men of that era, I think, would have given him some trouble trying to keep him from getting to that uh, elusive four straight or five straight up until you know. But he had retired and came back and won three more. But it, I mean, from the last dance, like we saw, it wasn't easy. It was very difficult that last year what the general management with Jerry Krause was trying to do to um, 
Deshaun Jackson, and obviously the whole Scottie Pippen thing, which continues to this day for some reason. Bro, let it go, bro. I'm sorry, you got you, you, your wife got taken by future, bro. Why get taken by future, bro? Hey, 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 future, future. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about future. I don't want to talk about him. He's a, he's the ultimate menace. Oh, menace. Take uh, my wives. Yeah, I can't talk. That much is true. So yeah, that whole saga. So Michael Jordan, number one. Number two is on LeBron James. Um, if I'm looking at players and nothing to do with wins or championships, I, I should say I should say wins, but not championships. LeBron James is the greatest basketball player ever, but because he has gone to ten NBA Finals and hasn't won half yet, hopefully, um, I can't put him ahead of. And he had the 2011 Finals against Dallas. I was in Dallas at the time. He stunk it up, no question. That's a huge stain on his legacy. I have to put him in number two, just for the sake of like, okay. But LeBron is the most complete basketball player ever, can do everything, can guard one through five. Anybody that tells you he can't is lying. They've only been watching LeBron for the last three years. When I saw LeBron in, in, in Miami, nah, that, that is the greatest basketball player I have ever seen and probably is the greatest basketball player ever in terms of pure talent. Pure so, talent. LeBron James is a generational talent. Y'all uh, better not. The face of the league. For, for, he's the face of the NBA. And when he retires, it's going to be a truly sad day. That's going to be that's going to be one of the greatest days in sports history. When bro, he's, he's been in the he's been in the media since bro since he was sixteen, bro. Earlier, seven, fifteen, no, fifteen, like sophomore bro. year of high school, bro. Imagine that, and and the, and the, um, the consistency, the hard work, the boys, boys, to address bro. the media and to do all these great things outside of the game, but never cheat us in the game. When he's on the court and he's always giving us one hundred and ten percent, you know how a lot of this that the fact that you can actually count the number of games or number of moments LeBron has not played defense, it's like it's like on your hands. There's some players that like they just don't do it, and he. And that's when he's like 36, 37, and he's not playing. But early in his career, he was out there, I mean, from rookie of the year to a championship or championship run in his fourth year in the NBA at the age of 22 years old to, you know, going to Miami, winning two, going back to Cleveland, the greatest championship ever in 2016, because I still stand by that. And Three, two, that. one. No one has ever had a zero to 72. Nope. Ah. There you go. You know, I, we can talk about LeBron all day. I'm not gonna. He is phenomenal, special. Uh, number three, I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, formerly known as Luol Cinder. Mm -hmm. um, Kareem is the greatest, probably the greatest high school basketball player ever. Yeah, one of the greatest college players ever, if not the greatest, and a six-time NBA champion. And leading score, and the leading score in the history of basketball until LeBron passes him next year. But that's another story, bro. <laughs> With LeBron's what three? He's three, but he's about to pass Carmelo pretty soon. Wow, I think so. I think it's coming up because he's averaging almost thirty points a game, and he only needed to average twenty-five for like three more, two more seasons to do it. But he's literally averaged thirty right now. So LeBron's on his way to catching Kareem very soon. Uh, so yeah, I have uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. At number three, number four, I have Irvin Magic Johnson. Um, 
won a championship in his rookie year uh, after Cream got playing injured. Playing center. Going right. in for Cream at center and has five rings. Um, he played an era where he had to face Dominique Wilkins and Larry Bird and the uh, Detroit Pistons mm-hmm. and Michael Jordan at yeah, times. Yeah. And he's the greatest point guard ever. Um, he has the best vision I think we've ever seen besides maybe LeBron and CP3. Wait, hold up, 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 hold up. Yes, sir. What about Stockton? People underrate Stockton, brother. Mm-hmm. Oh. Those, those, those guys I named have better vision than Stockton. Stockton, Stockton is what is he six one? I see yeah. him six one. But I, I'm giving it to I'm giving it to those floor generals before I give it to Stockton. But Stockton is top five. But he's not better. It's this leader because he didn't get hurt. Man was playing <laughs> every game. I mean, LeBron's played every game too, or practically. But okay, okay, this leader because I'll give you that one. Yeah. Okay. So about vision. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm talking like straight IQ and vision. Oh, IQ. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm oh. giving it to them before I give it to Stockton. But Stockton, okay, Stockton, Stockton passed. I mean, Stockton is special. I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, so number four, I said, well, that was magic, right? So number five. Number five is the late great Kobe Bryant. Um, yeah, Kobe Bryant, uh, he meant a lot to the world, yeah, uh, as we all know. And that day, that, that that day he passed, it felt like the, the whole world stopped. Funny Ooh. enough, prior to right before the pandemic, which the world did actually stop. So, Kobe has a very very special career if you if you really studied his career from when he was drafted um in 96 and how he was you know the michael jordan clone i guess you would say was coached by phil jackson played with shaquille O'Neal, eventually parted ways with shaquille O'Neal when shaq was traded to miami won two more rings with uh gasol odom and uh Finally, on our tests, guys like that, and continue to never cheat us as a player and as a man. That man, in my opinion, is the greatest one-on-one player of all time. If he, if I give him the ball and I say check up against any of the great, uh, any player, automatic bucks. Like I mean, Kobe had every move offensively, and he was an astounding defender. And he was a great defensive player, too. Yeah, exactly. Outstanding defender. Always effort. Everything was there. The skill set was there. I mean, if Kobe didn't get hurt in 2013 with the Achilles and the, and, the, and all of those things, I mean, you remember, I, I remember whenever Kobe was his last season and there was a game, I can't remember, I think it was in Sacramento. And after the game, he's sitting in the training room bags of ice all over his legs yeah and you could tell the man his body was done like that's it but you that's the thing about kobe bryant the mama mentality and how much it meant to the world see a man like kobe bryant give his all for the game i mean he was willing to die on the court die no question i don't think you can ever question that he was if he if somebody said play this game or death kobe's like sign me up for that like that's what i mean he found motivation in everything, in yeah. every little thing. And after he retired, found motivation to become a better man for his family, to become a better – he was going to become – he won an Oscar, correct? 
He won an Oscar, created his own media company, put his book, go. bestseller, whatever, whatever. Mamba Foundation Academy mm -hmm. was there for his for his kids. Mm -hmm. ah, come on, bro. Water was gonna become the next WNBA star, RIP to Gianna. Things, ah. I mean, all that stuff, right? Put into place. Kobe Bryant is the epitome of if it's within my reach, I'm gonna get it. Again, no questions asked. And that's why Kobe deserves to be in the top five. And anybody doesn't have them in your top five, honestly, I don't know if they like basketball. I, I can't tell you they do. They might not like the game. They might just think the game is pick up a ball and shoot. Like, no, Kobe's that guy. Kobe's the that guy. He's the battle he <laughs> with Pierce and with <laughs> and Braun. And he sent Michael Jordan into retirement with 50 and things like that. I'm like, come on. Give me Kobe in my top five, please. Yeah, that, that, That's amazing, bro. Man, I love I love the balance, brother. Man, I love the balance. I love the way that you're both dedicated to this and the game. And ah, uh, bro, it's just invigorating, bro. Oh, that's so good. Now I gotta wrap it up, man. You know, it's getting heading close to the hour. So, but of course, these are the last couple questions that I always ask my guests, man. So my first question um, for this, like these big legacy questions, I want to ask is, what are three things that you would say to your 18 year old self? To my what self? I'm sorry. 18 year old self. Three things that you would say to your 18 year old self. Hey man, <laughs> my 18 year old self. I still remember when I was 18. I, I remember how I, I was. I would tell myself, please, no matter what happens, you said three things, right? Yeah. Be patient with yourself. Yeah. 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 Sure. The world, there is, there is no rush per se, but the truest competition in life is with yourself. That's the truest competition. You're not looking at anybody else. You cannot compare yourself to nobody else. It is you versus you, the man or woman, or however you identify. In the mirror, when you get up in the morning, that's your greatest competitor. Defeat that person every time you get up, every time you go to sleep. Say, I, 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 I did something to, to chip away, chip away, chip away. Another thing I tell myself is, Please smile more. Like, come on, man. <laughs> smile more. Like, be happy. And, 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 and try to make your friends laugh some more because life is short. Yeah, yeah. Short. Make your friends and family laugh more. Because I was, I, I was, I was, when I was 18, I was in, I was dealing with a lot mentally. But yeah. I feel like a lot of those things were really self inflicted. So teaching myself and unlearning those things is something that I've worked for. Yeah. But I would tell myself at 18, just smile a little bit more. And lastly, take some pictures. I got no pictures from when I was 18. I have nothing. <laughs> take, pictures. take pictures of yourself. Take the pictures of the environment you were in. Yeah. And take some pictures with your friends and family. Yeah. That's what creates memories. My mom loves to take photos. So much so that it actually annoys me sometimes. I'm like, yeah, no, that's my auntie right there. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> like is it, do we? But I see the vision. I see the importance because. You only get to be 18 once. You only get to be whatever age you are once. Right. And you want to be able to look back and say, man, I remember when I did that. Or I remember whenever I was in this situation. And, uh, you know, um, our, our friend Nate likes to say, like, when he makes his videos, he likes to, that's how he journals his life. I think taking pictures, taking videos, that's how you journal your life. You chron chronicalize your life when you do those things. So very important to be able to see how far we've come. And, bro, man, you can say that again. I've been yeah. taking more pictures myself. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember I hate, like, well, I, you know me, bro. You know, I'm a photographer, but, like, 
I hate taking pictures of me where I used to. Because of yeah. course you don't like mentally, right? You know, you you you, you know you. You notice the imperfections quick. You're like, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. But other people <laughs> don't see that as fast as you do. And you have right. to be like, okay. Right, right. And especially, you know, as, as our confidence level gets up, right? You like, you realize that, like, oh, wait, hold on. I am beautiful. I, wait, I am attractive. Wait, oh, hold oh, ah. I mean, on. You got you to gotta tell yourself that before you can expect somebody else to tell you that, right? So. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, and that and that's so true. That that is so true, brother man. And that's so true. And that's good. So, uh, second question: What was your top memory of twenty twenty one? You already know the answer to this. When we took that trip, what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what the island is the greatest place I think I've ever been on this earth. For those that are listening at home, Tanaka, myself, and our other friend Judah took a trip to Tenerife, which is an island uh, off mainland Spain near North Africa. And we spent a week there just, 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 enjoying, just enjoying the sights and the sounds of the ocean. It was a beautiful beautiful place um definitely recommend it for those who are looking for an island to go to that's not necessarily somewhere where everybody always goes like cancun or cabo or wherever i don't know wherever islands hawaii tenerife is gorgeous and i took so many pictures there um you can see it on my instagram i have put some up and i i missed that place too i i think for the first month after we came back i couldn't stop telling people about how beautiful that place was. I, I i couldn't Good it, bro. Like, bro, and bro, you know, whatever we tell people, most people are like, I, huh? This is place that what? This, what is, is, this? Is, this is real. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. What you mean? Like, it's nice. So, yeah, I think that's the greatest memory of 2021. Probably the greatest memory in the last few years. Wow, damn beautiful, brother. And, then I, and I'm so happy I got to share that with you, man. That was thank you, thank bro. you for putting this onto that. Tanaka was the one that found the place, put the whole thing together. This man right here, to my, to my right here. He knew what he was doing when he put that man. Oh, glory to God, bro. And my lastly, man, what is, um, what is, what do you want your legacy? I want my legacy to be one of inspiration, first and foremost. I want people to know that Albert was somebody that was always willing to do the right thing that he believed was right was always willing to stand up to do what is right and to just live a life of discipline while also being able to smile, right? And being able to enjoy and to help other people along the way. I, I want all of my brothers to eat with me. I want all of my sisters to eat with me. I want everybody to walk with me on this journey and I want us to get to the mountaintop together. I'm not one to you know, backstab, I don't do that. I don't do that, I don't live like that. It's like if I'm eating and nobody else is eating, it frustrates me. Truthfully, it frustrates me. It it makes me upset when I see myself doing better than somebody than people that I really care about, people that are in my circle. It frustrates me. I want all of us together to sit at that table and eat collectively. That's 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 what I want my legacy to be. Somebody that inspired was made people laugh, but also educated. Mm. And it was just it was just great to be around. Who could connect with anyone? That's what I want my legacy. 
That's beautiful. This is my last segment of the show. I'm going to keep it short because I know how you are with words of affirmation. Um, so um, it's a speak life segment where I, I speak life to my guest. Albert, what you just said last, that is the life that you're living. I'm letting you know now. Um, and I love you so much, my brother. Man, I, I, I'm so proud of you. You know, bro, I always tell you, bro, we, we text almost damn near every day. I'm so no, grateful to continue um, to, to be for, Thank you for allowing me. And thank you for choosing and allowing and allowing me to be in your life. And um, you've changed mine. And I know that you've changed many people's already. And you're going to continue to change the lives of many more as you continue to grow. Um, and all I have to say, man, and I'm just going to keep it short, is that um, God is proud of you. Your mom is proud of you. Um, your grandparents and your siblings are proud of you. And I'm proud of you. And a lot of people have got And so keep on knowing that you already won. And now just keep on chipping in the way to be consistent and continue to out there and be and that you be best. And that is to you. Amen. Thank you so much. I love you too, man. I mean, hey, I, I, I look at you. I look at the people that are close to us. I'm like, I'm trying to get like them. <laughs> and so y'all inspired me. And I just want to return the favor. That's all. You, you inspire a lot of us, myself included, man. So, um, end the show. Where can the people find you out? Where can the people can find your your socials and what you would you like to plug? Oof. Uh, <laughs> y'all can y'all can find me on uh, Instagram. I believe my Instagram is Kweku uh, Sarpong. That's K W E K U Sarpong underscore. So Sarpong is S A R. P-O-N-G. I believe that's the same for my Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. And on TikTok, I am lowercase a, uh, lowercase sarpong, so S-A-R-P-O-N-G 23. Uh, I post daily. Right now, I'm starting my day in the life journey. I just have to like be more consistent with that. But it's coming. I have my ideas ready to go. Hold on. I have a question. Yeah. So how do y'all take the videos? Like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm you take me. I take a video. I can't. I can't review that. What? I can't tell people that. I can't tell you them. The videos on their cars. How y'all oh, no, the, the, the car thing. That's, that, that's the superstar himself. He does the car stuff. I, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. But that's that's the superstar Nathan. He does that. Where I get these angles from, it's just it's the director's vision. Bro, TA's acting a fool on TikTok. What the Hey, 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 hey. Just trying to put our name out there. That's all we're trying to do. Share our journey with the world. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. And also, y'all can search up his podcast, Ticket to the Game, on Apple, Spotify. And then I think it's TT Ticket Pod. TTG pod. Yeah, on TikTok and on Twitter. Okay, amazing. Amazing, brother. Man, everybody, we are out. Sir, thank you. Thank you so much for taking a chance to listen slash watch the podcast episode. Super grateful for all your support. Make sure you follow us on social media at Campus Cuts Pod. Be able to check out the YouTube, um, Twitch, 
and as well as Twitter, Periscope live streams. If you want to have the chance to get the replay, make sure you share it to your friends, families, significant others, and anybody that is interested in listening to authentic conversations with great guests and people. Make sure you do that. Thanks so much for all the help. Tap in. Have a blessed day.